It is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. We are going to do plenty of previewing for Week 8. We're also going to talk to two Seahawks players. Uchenda Wosu and Miles Adams are joining us in just a couple minutes. Before we get to them, though, time to look back at the Seahawks' win over the Chargers. And, guys, i got to be honest. I'll point to myself. I didn't see this one coming. Certainly <laughs> not at one point a 21-point lead over the Chargers. Seahawks end up with a 168-yard day from Ken Walker. The defense looks good, manages to um, contain the Chargers' potentially explosive passing offense. I know that Justin Herbert doesn't take a ton of deep shots, but he's perfectly capable of taking the top off a of defense. And instead, the Seahawks walk out with a win, first place in the NFC. Um, Wyman, I'll, I'll start with you. I mean, why don't you steer us where we want to go? There's so many places I could talk about with this. What was one of your favorite things in this win that you saw? Oh, man, there were lots of things. You guys played the clip where I couldn't contain myself. Uh, <laughs> oh, during the 74-yard yeah, run by Ken Walker. I think that one. I think that one was was really cool to see. The I was just on with these guys in New York, and they were talking about the tight end situation and, like, um, you know, is it going to be a big problem without DK if he doesn't play? And I'm like, no. Yeah, I, I think I think my favorite thing was this. Uh, Gino, and I mentioned it to you guys when we talked the other day, that Gino had five incompletions in the first quarter and then two the rest of the way. He was very efficient, and that's why, look, I'm not saying DK is, you, you need DK. DK's run blocking is fantastic. He's just a bully, an intimidator. Um, but I think it's more about Gino Smith, you know, and that's why the, the most valuable I think the two of the most valuable stats for a quarterback are completion percentage and interceptions because touchdowns yardage, you can't really necessarily control. You could go throw a three yard pass and it goes for 70 or whatever. I don't think it's very indicative, but the, the completion percentage and the interceptions and what is that three now? Mm -hmm. And I think 11 to three, I think one of them was like a last minute heave maybe Falcons I think yeah, yeah I think you're right and then that one you could argue that Tyler Lockett was interfered with you yep. know that guy got there early so yeah I really value those things I think just coming out of that that and the defense I felt like the defense I've been saying it all week they attacked gaps they knew what their gaps were before the the ball snapped um, they, they're not they're not going to tell us that but I, I think that's what was the difference so we'll, we'll see we talked to Ray yesterday or two days ago big Ray Roberts he said he thinks that also the D-line is aligning a lot closer to the line of scrimmage that they were kind of off mm -hmm. before so they could read things and now I, I think they're just you know pinning their ears back and, and hitting gaps I was going to ask about that because Pete Carroll in his press conferences this week has been asked, you know, what's different, what's working. And he said that they've just been more aggressive up front. And that could mean a number of things. Is that what you're seeing too? That's part of it, being aggressive up front, lining up closer and, and getting on an offensive lineman right now. And, and that was beautiful to see. And it's really apparent on the um, their Chargers second to last drive. It's a third and five. You got uh, Nwosu, Quentin, Shelby, and Bruce Irving. And what Quentin and Jarvison do right now is they shoot the A-gaps right now. So they, they make that center and the guards have to condense right now. And it pretty much isolates the guys on the outside. It reminds me of a route concept because sometimes, you know, as a slot, your job is to occupy guys so the outside guys get open. Mm -hmm. And that's what I saw right there. They pinched in and occupy those guys and allowed the outside dudes to work. And then they're just relentless, man. They're just going and going and going. Uh, so it's um, 
that's what we see. I'm sure when they're in the, the film room and they're they're getting their coaching points, it's a lot deeper than that. But the defense definitely looked more aggressive. Speaking of being relentless, that was kind of Ken Walker, right? You finished with 160-plus rushing yards, and um, you were just unstoppable over the points of the day. And it's not just one big gain or two big gains. It was turning what could have been a five-yard loss into a two-yard gain, right? That's Little right. things like that. What do you see from him when you watch him? That's a good point. Um, I thought he had – we used to say that about Marshawn. Yeah. You know, yeah. that uh, that was the most spectacular two-yard run I've ever seen. And it's interesting because they're such different running backs. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing. I think he's still trying to learn like a couple of times. Really the most impressive one, I thought, I did a football one-on-one thing on this, uh, was the first run because he let Damian Lewis set up his block and then he hits the gas and there's mm -hmm. just a hallway right there. So a hallway of gray butts is what I call it <laughs> or whatever color uniform they're wearing that day. Because you see their turn. Do you ever go hallway of action green butts? <laughs> those, the action green on those offensive linemen. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of action green, but, but no, I, you know, that's the thing. They got their guys sealed. It was just like a perfect hallway. If you look at it from the end zone. And so that, that part, I think you, you mentioned that he's, he's getting positive yardage. I think he's still trying to figure it out. Um, there's a couple times where he'll stutter in the backfield, and I'm like, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. He's, you know, and then, and then he cuts it back, and so I mean, I'm I'm not coaching him, <laughs> you know. Do what you're doing; it's it's working for him. I think that he's learning as he goes, so that that part is uh, is really cool. But cool where do you see some of those learning moments? Like, where do you see areas? Because do you guys remember when Pete Carroll said he's still? figuring some stuff out i remember wondering yeah. oh is he cooling on him is he saying something bad and really he was just being honest he's you know, saying he's a rookie that's exactly you what know, it is rookies got to figure stuff out and i watch him run i go he probably should have been more patient there oh he's got to hit that one you know what i mean so it's like him learning the tempo because he has to learn the offensive lineman you know what i mean i don't think the linemen have to learn him so much the linemen are like look i got this guy i'm pulling i'm knocking him out you read off of what i'm doing so I see him just learning the tempo of the game, when to press the issue, when to look for the home run. That's what the the great ones do. But we're, he's learning that he went for a buck sixty seven and two touchdowns yeah. with a long of seventy four. So if he's learning and putting up those numbers, I think he's headed in the right direction. It's funny going into that game. Um, I looked up who's the who has the the most single game yardage, and it was Austin Eckler. He had one hundred seventy four yards against the Cleveland Browns three four games ago. And now Kenneth Walker is number two yep. uh, with 168. So and they held the Chargers to 52, 53 yards rushing. So that was uh, that was pretty those two. The combination of those two things, the you know, running the ball is is just key. And Gino doesn't, you know, he threw it 27 times, 210 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the run game and you're right, uh, Bump, I, I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, no, don't do that. And like. Oh wait, yeah, that was good. You know? <laughs> it worked out. It's funny if yeah. it worked out. <laughs> like he, yeah, he he is he is figuring it out. I I think you're right. I think Pete did say that about him. So that uh, that part is uh, is really fun to watch. And I, I feel like I haven't even heard from Ken Walker yet. I haven't talked to him or interviewed him or anything. But he sure seems like uh, you know just a, a great kid. And these rookies, man, it's it's phenomenal because it's pretty hard to play running back in the NFL. Yeah, I mean. I think more rookies probably at that position excel, but it's really hard to play offensive tackle, especially when you're facing Khalil Mack and J.J. Watt and Marcus Golden back-to-back, -back, which, mm -hmm. by the way, the only only guy that got a sack 
of those three players over the last two weeks was Marcus Golden. Which is also a testament to the offensive line and especially to those two rookie tackles. Yeah, the, well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The, the tackles, yeah. I mean, the guys on the edge that they're having to block are just, like Cameron Jordan got two sacks. I mean, that guy's One of them I beast. felt was Gino. Gino holding on. Maybe it was a cover sack. Gino had to hold on to it. I agree. Yeah, yeah he should have he got rid of that one. But, yeah, the, those two guys. And then it's really hard playing corner in the NFL. <laughs> you got to cover. You talk about some of the biggest, like, freakish athletes. They're well, defensive ends or receivers. In the way that wide receivers are going, Bump and I were just saying. So we were reading this um, article, talking about this article uh, during our show earlier um, saying that basically play in the NFL was just bad this year. And that's why we were seeing so much parody. And we were like, you know, rather than saying it's bad, I think what you're seeing is just a lot of different factors at play at once. And one of them was the immediate impact of wide receivers. It used to be that it would take wide receivers a couple of years to catch on to the mm-hmm. NFL. And now you're seeing like every other college is wide receiver. You, they send in guys and you're seeing Jamar chase and you're, you know what I mean? You're seeing guys that are Olave, immediately getting, they're getting 1200 yards as rookies. And you're thinking, what, what's going on here? Like you can turn a fourth place team into a first place team. If you get this difference maker that teams just don't know how to cover. It's a good point. Did, yeah. Did you feel that way, Bump? I mean, I think, yeah, for wide receivers, like the landmarks are different from college football. Mm-hmm. The numbers are in different places. You got wider hash marks. Yep. And then, you know, in, in the NFL, like if you have to run a five and a half yard, you know, uh, slant or whatever, it better be five and a half. Yep. It can't be six. It can't be five. You know, it's very exact, the route running. And yeah, the fact that uh, that receivers are kind of tearing it up is uh, is surprising. They're bigger, faster, stronger, smarter. They yeah. get, they've gotten way Not smarter more than you, Bob. Way more when you were playing. I was a smart smart uh, receiver, but the reps that these kids get and the resources like that they get, reps. and then they got guys like me coaching them up, you know what I'm saying? So it's like mentally they'll be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I know that we've just been talking a lot about Ken Walker and the offense and the offensive line and receivers. We're going to switch and do a bit of defensive talk, but we'll have some special guests. How about Uchenna Nwosu joining us uh, first to talk about what the Seahawks defense has been able to do already this season and the challenge they have against the run happy Giants. That's coming up next on The Huddle. All right, you are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Seahawks practice is wrapping up, so we'll be joined in just one moment by Uchenna Nwosu. And let's get started by talking about Nwosu and this defensive front. Um, obviously, Seahawks switched to a 3-4 defense. They had played a 4-3 defense with what Pete Carroll would say are 3-4 principles, so it wasn't a drastic change. At least that's what the coaching staff assured us of all offseason. But what we saw was a very slow and uh, very hectic start to the season for the Seahawks defense they seem to have figured it out I don't know how permanent it's going to be but they've made some big steps forward here and one of them is against the run so um Dave you talked about um talking with uh was it Ray Roberts who said he's noticed just like better uh play specifically up front with guys being more aggressive what else have you seen from the defense yeah that's what it is I think that they're more sure they looked unsure and um yeah that was uh you guys remember the movie Idiocracy where he accidentally gets named unsure. No. That's his name. Anyway, I I was looking at, like, there's, like, four guys unsure. Named unsure. Unsure. (laughs) You know, and I look, you ask these guys, and they'll just say, well, we just got it together, and we're playing together. Um, And I get that. And I think think what it is is that your gap is established before the the ball snaps, Mm -hmm. which is the way I remember playing. I think the Seahawks had it that way last year, and they were trying to – I would say this, Bump, you would know. Um, I think sometimes 
defensive coordinators will try to come up with a defense that stops everything mm-hmm. and there's no such thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so I've seen, you know, uh, there, I've been in a couple of meeting rooms where you go with the, what if like, well, what if they do this? And the coach says, well, if they do that, then we're probably going to get beat and you're going to have to be aware, be aware of the things that will beat you. But like, for the most part, let's just make sure everybody is sure about where they're going. And I feel like that's what happened. That's probably put, very simply and i'm sure clint hurt and the coaches would say well it's you know this that and the other but you know we're not able to be in there in the meeting room so we don't know exactly what it is but that's kind of what it looks like to me but you know i think that they have great personnel on defense i mean daryl taylor is just a fantastic pass rusher you saw it and i feel like he just hasn't had an opportunity to get on the edge and you know beat somebody uh, around the edge he had three sacks now i think DT, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, for a while there, we're thinking, hey, you know, because he had six and a half last yeah. year, and I'm thinking, where, where is it coming from? So it's starting to starting to come around. Uh, Chen, I think, has three sacks, yep. and he's got a bunch of knockdowns and fumble recoveries and forced fumbles. So, yeah, they're starting to – I think they have the personnel to do it. I think the one guy that had the personnel to do – or, I'm sorry, that ha- was, like – fit that personnel to play what they were playing was Al Woods because he's just a monster. He just can take on people. And, you know, there was a play against the Saints where one guy came to block him. It's like he just throws him to the ground. Next guy comes, he throws him to the ground and then makes a tackle. You know, he's just a – I can't say enough about Al Woods yeah. and what he means to that defense. But uh, but I think this guy, Uchenna Nuosu, means a lot also. He, he's really – I like his leadership I like like at the end where they were doing the kneel down against the Saints and mm-hmm. Uchenna wasn't having it. He was like, I'm going to go hard. You better strap it up. And, yeah. <laughs> and I know guys in the NFL don't like that. I like it. I like it because I think he's uh, he's got like a nastiness and, and an edge to him. Same thing when he when he smoked Jimmy G and got up and Jimmy was chirping at the official. Mm-hmm. And he was I don't know what he was saying, but I my thought bubble, you know, over his head was like, Hey, uh, grow up. This is the NFL. You know, you're going to get hit. So I, that's, that, I, I think he brings that, that kind of attitude. What do you guys make of stopping with scoring that? Now, this is less related to the Seahawks and more related with, like, maybe an old school mentality or kind of like a tough mentality. But when the Bears took a knee rather than drive it into the end zone in Foxborough on Monday Night Football earlier this week, would you have, if you were coach, called for them to complete the touchdown? Nah, take a knee in that situation. I think the game is gentlemen's agreement that the game is. What type of respect do you have for the coach over there too? Like if he's a guy I respect, then yeah. But if there's a guy who, you know, we we got some bad blood, we've had a couple beers, and you said some things I didn't like, you know, then maybe. But I think the classic thing to do would be to take the knee. John Harbaugh would would go for it definitely. Yeah, he's somebody that a lot of guys around the league don't really care for. Uh But you know, I think the worst thing you could do is go for a, a. You know, you could run out the clock and you go for it and one of your guys get gets hurt right yeah so that that's probably the thing that would hold me back on you think carol would go for it i don't know i don't think so i don't think so i don't think so yeah i don't think so either i know he can be aggressive in some ways whether it's taking risks with challenges which i know some people don't like but like he's risky sometimes but he's not he he is not always usc carol which would be (laughs) Which would have been like, just do it. I like, I like <laughs> drop how, 60. That's how Pete handles day, so the, you had to drop 60. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I like how Pete handles the officials. 
You know, he's, yeah. he's pretty aggressive with them. And, you know, it's funny, Austin Blythe, who's just the nicest guy, soft-spoken, super intelligent. He was mic'd up a couple weeks ago, and he was all over the officials. And it brought back good memories for me because I used to wear the officials out. And then afterwards, <laughs> I, I would I would put my arm around him and say, you know, thanks, man, nice job. Yeah. They were there to help you. But, you know, that's what I love about the officials is that they don't have uh, these egos like, officials from other sports yeah. they just are, the umpires I, 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 I told a guy <laughs> one time to get the bleep out of my huddle and because we were talking i was yelling because i was being held on the the field goal block and he comes in there he's like dave so what's going on and i'm like get the bleep out of here you know what he did he put his hands up he had a big smile on his face he's like okay okay we'll talk later Aww. and so i went over <laughs> to him after that like you know maybe a quarter later and i go hey I'm sorry, man. It's just that, you know, this is what's happening and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll look for it. No problem. I, I love that about those Aww. guys. I'm just so excited. <laughs> I'll tell you another one, Stacey. <laughs> another one. I had a guy who uh, that Bob's was, his name was me. Wagner. I think Bob Wagner. And I used to get him all the time. He was number double zero. And he was a big dude. Someone wore double zero? Yeah. Wow. One of the officials. Oh, official. I'm talking about a player. No, wow. no. This was, And he was always, he's standing behind me. So I was always like church at him and you know and i'd be like putting him you know get get out of the way so you know i was getting tackled so i go hey you know i'm getting mugged over here and he goes uh, well i'll watch out for it and i'm like yeah i'm starting to get i'm starting to get used to it and he's like oh that hurts man <laughs> joining us right now uchenna nwosu uchenna congratulations on your team's win over the chargers maybe this is just something that media says that means nothing to players but did it feel kind of good to get a win over a former team it sure did. Yeah. It sure did. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. I like that, Uchenna. We talked to you last week, and you said, you know, because a lot of guys will give the uh, the politically correct answer, like, no, it's just another game. You're like, oh, no, I got, I got, a, I got uh, a little edge in A little this bit one. of kick out of that one. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know? <laughs> How was it being back home? Yeah, fam, did you see family when you were out there? You went to after the game. Do you not see family? How do you approach that? Oh, of course I see the fam. Yeah. You know, got to. Uh, during pregame, my mom comes down where I'm warming up at, you know, give her a hug. After the game, see all the fam in the family section. Um, but, yeah, that fam has definitely got to see them when I'm back. Yeah, that's cool. You grew up down there. You went to high school there, went to USC. So uh, coming up here, so you're you're a uh, lifetime West Coast guy anyway. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, so how, how many people did you get? Did you have to get tickets and stuff like that? Uh, I got about 15 to 20 tickets. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. It's a good setup. And it was a win, too, right? I mean, I don't know how many of your family are fans of the Chargers, but. They were only fans because I was a fan. See, I was right. like, I well, played, I don't know. Well, because yeah. then it was, uh, well, no, it wasn't San Diego. Not for the entire time anyway. I but. saw all these number 10 jerseys in the crowd, and I was like, oh, sweet. And then I'm like, oh, that's Herbert. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the less impressive. <laughs> Maybe in Seattle you'll see 10, but there we go. in L.A. <laughs> have you seen anyone with a 10 yet here in Seattle? I have. Really? I have. Yeah, I've seen a couple. Do you ever think to go up and be like, hey? Yeah, of Do you? Course. Have you done it? Hey, like the people who got my jerseys? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What do they do? They just be like, yeah, no, no, you know, so I yeah. don't like, you know, say thank you, <laughs> yeah. you know, because purchasing my jersey number, that means a lot. You know, has anyone, something right. has anyone <laughs> ever not initially recognized you? Like in the stands? Or? No, like when you go up and they've got a 10 jersey and you're like, hey, man, what's up? Are they ever like, who, what? Oh, no. Nah. Because my, I mean, you got my jersey. There's right. not that many of them. So True. You got to know. know who I am. Facts. I got my jersey. So. 
Man, you guys had two big plays at the end of the game. There was a third and five where you guys got the sack on, on Herbert to force him into a fourth and like 14. And then Mike Jack makes a play on Mike Williams. Man, what are those moments like that on, on the field where you're like, we pretty much just won this game. Go ahead and take your bus to the sideline. Yeah. LA. It's a great feeling, you know, when everybody's just playing together, playing team defense. You come up with big plays like this, something we preached about all weekend in practice. You know, it's good to see it come to life in those settings. So, you know, we're just trying to get better every week. And every time we make those plays, we got to be able to celebrate it, you know, because football is a hard game and hard to make plays like that. So we got to make sure we have fun. Were celebrate. you surprised that they didn't use Eckler as much in the run game? Yeah, I thought they were going to run the ball a little bit more considering how we've been like the first couple of weeks of the season. But, you know, they got to – Quarterback Justin Herbert, you know, so when things get tough, you got to go to him. Yep. Mm -hmm. They definitely used Herbert uh, Eckler in the passing game yeah. a lot, though, with the screens yeah. and yeah, the check did. down. So. Hey, so I just talked to these two guys in New York, and they really like their team. And they were kind of like, you know, what's going on with you out there in Seattle? And, you know, like, is this sustainable and things like that? Do you guys get a sense for that? Like, nobody really thought that this, this team was going to be – first place in the NFC West at any point. Yeah, we love that, you know. Uh, when people doubt you, you yeah. know, and you turn around and make them look silly, you know, we love that, you know. that's, that's So we just try to, try to keep getting better, keep going. So, you know, at the end of this thing, we're the ones, you know, that's on top, you know. So let people say what they want, think what they want. We just can keep our head down and keep grinding. I would imagine it's pretty validating, though, because Bump and I interviewed you. You probably don't remember. Bump and I interviewed you during training camp, and we asked you a similar question. So this is before the season started. We're like, hey, how's Seattle, blah, blah, blah. Hey, people are doubting, you know, you guys without Russell Wilson here and, um, you know, without Bobby Wagner. And you were like, great, let them doubt. And now here we are talking to you week eight, heading into week eight, when it's like, so, hey, Uchenna, you guys are first place in the NFC West. Yeah, <laughs> how's yeah. it feel? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got to be really validating, kind of like, uh, how do you keep that belief going in a building? Is it like positive energy? Is it, what's it like? It's definitely positive energy, you know. Um, like everybody's coming into the meetings all hyped up, amped up. Everybody's happy. Um, everybody, you know, we're just, just trying to keep, keep yeah. the energy, keep the spirit alive. And, you know, when you got coaches doing it, you got the head coach, you know, celebrating and, you know, giving speeches and dancing, you know, just positive energy that keeps everybody going. So that's going to be big for the team going forward. And we just love to see it. I heard Pete Carroll say he's allowing guys like you, actually pointed you out, to take more chances on, on defensively. To me, I just I imagine you, okay, I got my assignment, but if I see something, I'm able to go get it. Is that what that means? And how does that feel to get that trust from Pete to say, all right, Chenna, man, you go ahead and do your thing? Yeah, um... Anytime a coach has that confidence in you, you know, it just, it just ensures you that you can, you know, be who you really are. Um, of course, you know, it says take chances, but, you know, in the scheme of the defense, don't just go out there and be like a – well, we use the term Fredo. I don't know if you guys watch Godfather, but yep, Fredo, yep. we use that term a lot. So don't be a traitor, you know, but do your job. Yeah. And, you know, just, uh, you know, when you see something, go ahead and make your plays. Right. All right. He is Uchenna of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you guys are, are finally getting the defense on track. You've had a phenomenal start to the season throughout the entirety of it. It's probably nice to finally be able to feel like everything's coming together, though, for everyone. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. We appreciate it. Uh, we know you just wrapped practice, so we'll let you go, get food, rest, relax, take yeah. it easy before uh, this tough game at Lumen. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks so much. All right, Miles Adams is next on the huddle. Don't go anywhere.
you are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and Miles Adams Hello. joining us right now. Miles, how are you? I'm doing great. I cannot complain. How are you? Uh, I'm great. You have, uh, Nishant was telling you this, a very relaxing voice, and it's been decided you should do, like, call map, maybe radio, uh, anything like that in your future. Would, would you ever do anything in like, voice work after football? I've actually um, done voice, uh, was it voice acting lessons? Yeah. Uh, with Bruce Carey, Brian Pappas, and nice. uh, his, his school. And want to kind of do a Keith David type deal in the future. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what's up. So you went to Rice. I did. So I was a, a high school coach for 10 years. You're not just getting into Rice. you got to have grades. Mm -hmm. um, so academics was probably huge in your life growing up. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mom drilled that into me. You know, making the A, B on a roll, competing for grades, stuff like that. So got to have the grades to get into Rice. What you study at Rice? Kinesiology, sports right. medicine. There we go. Mm -hmm. So does that help you with uh, your maintaining your body? during the, the NFL? Because that, that's something that I think, I, at least when I played, we didn't pay much attention I to. I didn't. I used to yeah. eat, like, terrible. Uh, macaroni and cheese and beer, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it but, doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it was good. It's okay when you're 24. I just don't know if it was good for me. But, um, yeah, so all of that kind of stuff uh, is a little bit – because that's really important, right, mm, taking, yeah. taking care of your body during the season? What, yeah, what has it so. helped you with? I mean, how has it helped you? No, it's definitely helped a lot because I started out as a sports management major and then I dealt with some surgeries and it just made me think about wanting to dive more into learning about my body, learning about, you know, taking football serious, how to recover. And that's really been really been beneficial. Yeah. Um, you guys have taken a huge step forward as a defense this year. I know it wasn't the start to the season you wanted. Um, yeah. And it was hard to pinpoint what was wrong. Plenty of talent in the building and, and just things weren't coming together. That's changed, especially over the last two weeks. Does it feel like there's anything different happening? Uh, the energy is a little different, shifting a little bit. And uh, I think we're trusting each other more. Yeah. Um, flying around a little bit faster. It just comes with the uh, knowledge of the game, speed of the game, really familiarity in the system. Uh, making the corrections week to week. Because, you know, uh, the games that we did lose and the yards we gave up and stuff with the defense, it wasn't a lot of things that teams were doing to us. We were kind of beating yeah. ourselves. Self-inflicted. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take you back. Um, undrafted free agent. I was an undrafted yeah. free agent. And uh, so I saw you making plays. And, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for, for the underdogs. Was, was there a moment where you were making plays, you're like, oh, yeah, I made this squad. I'm, I'm feeling good about what I'm doing right now. At first, I just want to say I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Real recognize real. But uh, if there was ever a point, I mean, I did feel like I played pretty good in Dallas home game, but it was more so the juice from being back in Texas. <laughs> um, I didn't feel like I'd, um, I, was, I was in the same boat as everybody else. I just want to take it and put my stuff on tape and lit. But the results speak for themselves. And it's a it's a stressful position to be in an undrafted free agent because you never really know. You, you show up every day, and um, I just want to say, man, congratulations, man. Keep, Thank you. Keep doing your thing. I really appreciate that. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, during the preseason, they always have um, uh, guys that they they don't want us on the radio to pump up too much, <laughs> and mm -hmm. and you, you were one of those guys, and but we we couldn't not call your name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dallas was like. Yeah, you, you played well in Pittsburgh. I mean, this preseason, is there something uh, that you can identify that just clicked for you? Because you, you were just all, you were just, you look confident and you're making plays everywhere. Was there, was there any a play or something somebody said to you that, that kind of clicked? I'd say um, more so just getting elevated last season mm -hmm. and being able to play 
Really, my first game was a divisional game against the Rams last year. That was my first regular season action. And I guess it all clicked for me. I realized it's all relative in the given Sunday kind of mentality. Anybody can get the work. Can you take yourself back to that moment and remember specific things where you thought, oh, my God, this is really happening? Or, like, anything stand out where you think this has been one of my favorite moments in the NFL so far this year? Maybe not from that game, but just in general. Well, it was a, uh, a fact about that game. Their center, Brian Nyland, was a pro Bowl alternate center, which is pretty good, and yeah. I did pretty good against him. So he kind of <laughs> made yeah. me feel good about myself a little bit. That, that was probably a moment I was like, yeah, I can do this. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, we've we've seen this defense turning around the last couple of weeks, and it's been fun to watch. And I watch film, and I always try to figure out what type of player this guy is, what his role is. Uh, especially the big boys, because you guys don't get a lot of love. It's just like the, the linebackers <laughs> and DBs, the skill guys. So if you had to describe your role in this defense to just the average fan listening, how would you do it? Um, I'm the guy that's going to come in and uh, hopefully uh, there's no drop-off. You know, I, I come in off the bench. You know, I have some great, great uh, role models ahead of me, you know, in the Puna Fords, Quinn Jefferson, Zal Woods, and, you know, uh, Shelby Harris is in the room. So as a young guy, I come in. When they need their blow, I come in and pick right up with their left off. Yeah. Who's yeah. the sort of, uh, I would say Shelby would be my prediction. Who's the, the funniest dude in that room or kind of the, <laughs> the clown of the room? No, definitely LJ. Oh, LJ. <laughs> really? I would have guessed LJ. Yeah, Shelby's a close second, but I don't, y'all don't, LJ is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. funny. I've, I've talked to him a couple times, and I guess that didn't really come through, but and then uh, Big Al, do you know the story with Big Al? Like he has a ranch back home. And, oh yeah, farms, yeah, yeah. Farms his own land, everything. Yeah, that, that real, real country spirit. I, I feel him with that because my family's from East Texas, so oh yeah, similar background. Yeah, so you get some some cool personalities in there. You you mm. guys hang out off the field or have little uh, get-togethers or anything like that. Yeah, they're trying to recruit me to go to a haunted house today. I don't know if I'm going to make a trip. Are you not a big, like, scary movie or haunted house person? Yeah, I'm anti-whore. <laughs> is it because it's scary or you're like, this is dumb? Uh, No, it's scary. Because I get genuinely scared. No, I'm scared of scary stuff. Yeah. So, okay, one good thing about Halloween candy. We were just ranking our top candies without spoiling and saying ours. We all had the same one, I think. What would be your number one Halloween candy? Candy or chocolate? Chocolate. Kit Kat. Kit Kat. All right. That is unfortunately Kit-Kat. not the correct answer. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm so sorry. Kit Kat, Kit Kat is a no, cookie. No, Kit Kat's a great, Kit Kat's a great answer. <laughs> I had Reese's Cups. Twix would be in there. That's my second. Second. Reese's. That's as long as it's in there. Well, um, well I kind of hope you go to the haunted house now. Like, <laughs> you're recruiting I me too. I know. <laughs> it's like I just want it. To, like, I'm imagining like just like big strong dudes being like, I'm not messing with that. I'm not doing it. But they can be. They can be kind of fun. Is it maybe that you don't see? Here's what I I don't like people to startle me. Like yes. my, my wife and my kids know mm-hmm. not to jump out and do something because I'll like swing yes, or I will like yes. react and like, yeah, jump scares. That's why I don't like, I can do horror, gore. I can do thriller suspense. Yeah. But jump scares. Yeah. I can't do paranormal. <laughs> like I could, I could watch, um, saw or like any of the creepy ones. I can't do like. Hey, there's a demon in the house because you think, what if there is? What am I going to do? <laughs> there's a video of, <laughs> of a guy. I don't watch I can't, this. I can't mess with it. All right. I, yeah. We have to let you go. I'm, I'm really quick, though. There's late. a yeah. video of a guy who has like a pumpkin on his head and he's sitting on a porch like it's a straw man. And a guy walks past it and it the thing, the 
guy on in the chair jumps up, and the dude just turns, and just swings. <laughs> oh, no. and I'm like, I'm always afraid that's what I'm going to do. And then yeah. you know you're going to hit somebody. You know, who... I don't want to incriminate myself, but I yeah. just know I feel him on that. Yeah. Oh, God. All right, uh, Miles, we're going to let you get out of here. We appreciate right. taking the time. It's been so nice talking to you. Finally, for for us meeting you this year and getting a chance, and and Dave got you those barbecue places. So yeah. good luck with yeah, those. Likewise, feelings mutual. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Thank yeah. you so much. All right, you guys, do not go anywhere. We're going to hear from Geno Smith at the podium next. This is the huddle. This is the huddle. Geno Smith speaking from the podium right now. We'll take you there. Yeah, I think it starts with, um, you know, with playing complimentary football. Um, obviously, you don't want to turn the ball over early in games. You don't want to turn the ball over at all. Uh, but our defense did a great job going out there, and uh, they got a stop, you know, on fourth down, gave us the ball back. And then back-to-back uh, -back turnovers, um, so really three turnovers in a row to start the game. You know, uh, I think that set us up for success. And uh, a big part of an offense is rewarding your defense when they do those things. You know, when they go out and they're playing like that, um, you got to reward those guys and you got to score points, give them the confidence they need to continue to play like that and continue to play hard and have that edge and have that swagger. And so I think we did, you know, a tremendous job of that uh, last week and we just got to continue that. Would you call yourself a big play offense? Uh, so far, so far. We made a lot of big plays and... Um, we like to be an explosive offense, yes, but we also want to be an efficient offense and we want to do well in the situations as well, the third downs and the red zone. And so uh, it's all collective, man. We just got to put it all together and we got explosive players all over the place. Guys are making plays. Uh, the offensive line is giving us time to hit those plays and opening up holes in the run game. And so we can be a big play offense if we continue what we're doing. Chargers last week, Giants now. What do these games mean for you personally? Uh, just another game, uh, you know, opportunity to go out there with my teammates, my brothers, uh, to fight, to compete. You know, um, obviously I was with those franchises and they did well by me. I, you know, I don't have any uh, remorse or anything. Uh, just looking forward to going out there and competing again. Uh, you know, it was short-lived. I was only there for really a year, so it wasn't really much time. But, um, you know, what, what I can say is, uh, you know, I enjoyed my time there. Uh, I had an opportunity to learn and grow. Uh, was, was able to be under uh, Coach McAdoo and Mr. Jerry Reese, who, um, you know, I owe a lot to. And then, um, obviously, being able to be with, uh, in the same room with Eli Manning uh, and learning from him and, and learning with him and competing with him uh, was, was awesome, you know, just to be a part of that for a year. What do you remember about the, the start you made for the Giants in 2018 and all the circumstances around that? Uh, it was, was against uh, Oakland. It was against the Raiders. Uh, familiar face, Bruce Irvin was on the opposite side. Uh, Khalil Mack was also out there as well. And, um, you know, it was just a chance for me to go out there and show what I got. You know, it was one, one game. Uh, obviously, uh, there was a lot um, of, you know, speculation and stuff surrounding that game. But for me, it was just, you know, like I've always been, you know, just focused on the game. I didn't really get caught up in any, anything else. What was your relationship like with Eli Manning? That was an odd time in his career, obviously. He was nearing the end of it. Yeah, uh, Eli was great. Eli was great. I had met Eli um, actually prior to that. We were training together in California, and uh, we were throwing his stuff together. And so we had a relationship already. I had I met him. I went down to the Manning camp when I was in college. And so uh, developed a relationship with Peyton, Eli, Archie, Cooper, all those guys. And, you know, it was, it was good. You know, it was a good time for me when I was there. What's up? What's Marquise out of these last few weeks if you got him a lot more involved in things? Uh, you know, Marquise, um, he gives us that explosive threat down the field. 
Um, he's also, you know, got a, got a lot of ability to run, you know, different routes, and uh, you know, he can be a, a gadget guy. He can do a bunch of things. Um, he's he's tremendously, uh, you know, just well-rounded uh, in his game and the, the things he can do. And so he's given us an added element of speed. Uh, he also gives us uh, just another weapon in the pass game, as well as another threat, another deep threat. You know, the defenses they've got to account for him as well uh, with with the other guys we got as well. Much of his impact on Sunday was out of necessity and not having DK there versus Marquise just being more comfortable in the system and with you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, some of it was necessity. And, you know, early on, you know, DK was there. He caught that touchdown and uh, did a great job. And, um, you know, he's he's our, you know, third guy. And then we have D coming in as well as a third guy. And um, they give us, you know, Great mismatches. You know, you, you you put linebacker safeties on those guys, they can win. You put your third corner on them, they can win. You single them out one on one, they can win. And then uh, when DK went down, Marquise stepped up and no one blinked. You know, no one blinked an eye. And and uh, Marquise stepped up and made uh, a few more great plays for us. And he just brings that to the table as well as the other guys. You know, they all have an opportunity to step up now. And so uh, I look forward to it. There was a video that showed Marquise saying that you changed the one touchdown kind of at the line. Marquise was maybe going to run a run an in route, I guess, and you told him to just just go. Are you looking for those kind of situations with Marquise when he got that? To- yeah, um, you know, with all the guys, and those are situations we practice every single day. Um, we talk about those things in the meeting rooms, and when those situations come up in the game, uh, they understand exactly what we're trying to get done, and, and that was an example of that. How often has that worked for a touchdown this year? You changed. Uh, I mean, we do, you know, we do what we got to do to make the place work. And, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously it's a, you know, a thing with me and Shane and, and, and Austin and all the guys where we're just trying to get into the best play possible, just be an, an efficient offense and move the ball. Is that a verbal or is that nonverbal? What is that? Okay. Uh, it can be verbal. It can be nonverbal. It, it kind of just depends on the situation and which play we're changing. Giants don't have a lot of size at the cornerback position. If DK isn't able to go, obviously we don't know that at this point. Where's your confidence level at with Dariq Young stepping in? Yeah. Uh, I'm very confident in Dariq. Uh, we've got a ton of reps together already. Um, we were playing a lot in the preseason together. And so, um, you know, he and I have spent a bunch of time just talking over things and uh, trying to help him get up to speed because I really believe in his ability. And so uh, he's another guy who we, he gets a chance to step up. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to do well. Um, he's been working his butt off. He has a, a lot of ability. Uh, he's very smart. And so we just got to continue to bring him along as everyone else. And uh, he'll make his plays when they come. What do you think you've gotten best at or grown most since game one? Uh, I think just overall um, being more comfortable, you know, in the system and just growing every single week, just trying to get better. Uh, Every single thing, every part of my game, I've been uh, hard on myself on and I've got to continue to get better. Um, You know, I think I have to do a much better job in the red zone um, and and continue to, you know, just hone in on my footwork, my reads and and my accuracy and precision and just getting the ball out on time, protecting our line and making sure that we're moving the change. And so overall, I've been feeling good, but I got to continue to get better. What about the red zone do you specifically need to be better at? Just scoring touchdowns, you know, finding ways to score touchdowns in the red zone. However, we can get it done, just getting it done. Did you did you take much blame for the interception last week, or just kind of one of those plays? Or uh, yeah, I mean, anytime I throw an interception, it you know it makes me upset. Um, don't want to have any of those um, you know mistakes out there. And uh, you know, it was the right read, right throw. It's just one of those plays, man. Like I feel like all you know, all I've thrown four interceptions here in the Seahawks, and they've all been kind of plays like that. So. Uh, just trying to eliminate those plays and not let the defense, uh, you know, get a turnover.
you work much with Tater? Uh, yeah, we work with Tater. Um, Tater is uh, obviously he's uh, been here for a while and been a tremendous coach, but um, he does a great job. He's in the room with us every day. Um, he takes us through all the two-minute situations, um, all the scenarios that we'll see in the games in two minutes, T4, T2. And, uh, I mean, he's got a lot of wisdom. He's been around this game for a long time, and he knows his stuff. All right, taking a look ahead to Week 8 with Ray Roberts next. This is The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and right now, Ray Roberts, as we head to the trenches, Ray joins us right now. And um, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about the Chargers, but then uh, switch ahead and look at Week 8 against the Giants. So, Ray, I'll, I'll start with this, which is 160-plus for Ken Walker. Obviously, it's phenomenal, but that also means the guys up front are playing phenomenally. No, absolutely. And and the first thing I want to say, Stacey, is I'm, I'm just going to keep beating this drum, you know, for the rest of the year, but – uh, and Michael Bumpus and Paul Morgan knows it. I called this. I called the, the Ken Walker draft pick. The bump's uh, already smiling. <laughs> Why are you shaking your head? He's shaking his my head man. at you, my man. He called it. He called it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna flex that thing. I'm gonna flex that muscle until the cows come home. So, oh, like, yeah. You should. You should. I got something right in my life. Uh, <laughs> Whenever I think but of Ken no, Walker, I'll think of Ray Roberts. From they're now. interchangeable exactly. to me. Like we come as a package, man. Peanut like, butter and jelly. Yeah, Ray and Ken, Ken and Ray. Sandwich. How did you know? Um, <laughs> no, but uh, you guys should do a show on favorite sandwiches, but that's a different story. Um, but no, uh, the, to me, I think that you know, as, a, as the preseason was going along, as I saw this offensive line working together, as I saw that the identity that it was creating, especially, and I'll keep beating this one too, is that Abe Lucas brings a certain mentality and an identity to the offensive line. And I think over the last couple of years, that was kind of lacking. And, uh, and then with them being able to take the reps that they took together in the preseason, uh, watching them in practice, I just had a feeling that by the, the third quarter of the season, that they would be one of the better offensive lines. And that included having – two rookie tackles, which is unheard of. And uh, the thing that I like about um, this offensive line is that they're getting better and better each week. Like each week you see something about them that's different. So when I look at this offensive line, I start to see the double teams, the way the, the guards and the tackles are working together to get up to the next level. I, I see the improvement with um, uh, with uh, uh Damian Lewis, like the, the, the player that I thought that he was going to be last year, you're starting to see that kind of come out. I get to see Charles Cross been just a little bit more violent with his hands and pass protection, the way he's starting to finish blocks. Abe is just being Abe. And then as you look at the, the, the rotation between Haynes and um, uh, Jackson and Curran, like there's really no drop-off right there. Those All three of those dudes bring a different – aspect to the game but the outcomes are really similar and so uh so i just see an offensive line that is really coming together it's important for an offensive line to have five dudes with different various you know skill sets but they operate as one mm. and that's kind of what we're starting to see with this offensive line yeah ray i just uh, i did a thing on um on our website about the first kenneth walker run and, you know, you mentioned Damian Lewis and Austin Blythe, and it was just so, <laughs> I don't want to be corny, but it was beautiful to watch. Pete Carroll <laughs> will probably say that. But, like, the way Ken Walker sets up the block, and, and by the way, Damian Lewis is, I mean, he had a really good rookie year last year. I didn't think was was great. great. But but um, the way he set that block up and then the way Blythe comes off of the double team and goes up to the linebacker, and then you see this, like, 
perfect hallway right there for Ken Walker. I, I just thought that was just an awesome, I don't know, it just looked like they were so in sync. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I made a post on, on Twitter the other day that uh, the, the, the run game is not always pretty until it is. And that was like one of those plays where it was. It was beautiful. Like, it, you could not have blocked it any better then, like, that's exactly how you would draw it up. When you draw the little chalk lines yeah. and you go, like, you're going to go right here and then you're going to go off to right there, it normally doesn't happen like that. But it happened like that. And when it does, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and then I'm telling you, like, yes, we, we like to pass block. Yes, we like to score points. Yes, we like big explosive plays. But give me – I'm sorry, I'm outside. But give me a <laughs> 74-yard running touchdown – Every single day of the week over a 74-yard pass play because that means that I'm, I'm, a, I'm expressing my dominance over another 300-pound dude, and there is nothing more exhilarating uh, as an offensive lineman than that. Ray, we, we looked at these, or we've been watching these tackles, and they've been up against, as you would say, some dudes, man. Like They are <laughs> battle-tested at this point in the season, and, I, and take it back to when you were them at this point of the season – um, you, you've been in some battles. Um, you've won some. You've lost some. These guys have won more than they've lost. Um, what do you think their confidence level is and how comfortable do you think they are out there? Well, I think they should be super confident and they should be super um, uh, bought into their own ability to play this game at a very high level. I can remember it was probably around week six or seven where I was just figuring out, like, how the rest of the play worked. Like I was just like focused on who am I blocking in front of me? And that was it. And so at, at halfway through the season, I'm just like, Oh, so that's what we're trying to get done with that play. You know? And so, uh, so for them to be able to do what they're doing and playing against, like you said, some dudes and not just playing against dudes, but doing it without help. You know, I, I told Dave, uh, I think it was last week or early this week, you know, my rookie year, I played against a murderous row of pass rushers. Like, I think every week I played against a dude that's already in the Hall of Fame. And uh, there were times where I looked over my left shoulder and I looked over my right shoulder and I'm like, where is that running back? Or where is that tight end? Because <laughs> I, I need somebody to help me block Derek Thomas. And, uh, and these dudes are doing it without that help. And, uh, and so that says something about not only their own confidence and ability, but Pete's confidence in them, uh, you know, the offensive line coach's confidence in them, this team's confidence in them that they can get the job done because then it opens up the door to get more guys out into routes when you're running, you know, when you're uh, throwing the ball. So you don't have to leave that running back in there to help. You can have them in there to pick up a blitz, but they're not helping linemen. You can get the tight end out into, out into the, uh, into the route. So you have more options to throw it to. So I'm just super impressed with just the way they've gone about it. Uh, the, the professionalism, like every single veteran person you talk to about these offensive tackles and just these rookies in general, it's like their professionalism is like on steroids. It's like, it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're, they're doing it in a way that rookies aren't supposed to do it. And that's impressive. Hey, Ray, you know, you were talking about the dudes that they have gone up against. And, you know, Chubb and Bosa, those two guys each got two sacks. Um, the last, but the last uh, four games, and we're talking about Aiden Hutchinson, well, I'm not putting Atlanta in there, but the Cam Jordan got two sacks. Khalil Mack, zero. Uh, Marcus Golden got one. J.J. Watt, zero. This week, I'm looking at their D-line. 
second rounder, first rounder, first rounder, first rounder. So I mean, this this might be uh, maybe maybe even uh, uh, their their hardest test right now as far as uh, you know facing as you say a a group of dudes that can really rush the passer. Yeah, and you know that's why it's going to be important, Dave, to get to keep the running game going. Like even if it's just you know maybe you know Kenneth Walker isn't going to rush for 160 yards, but if he can rush between like 60. And, you know, maybe 75 yards and 100 yards and they're staying true to the running game. He gets his, you know, 15 to 20 carries and, and uh, DJ Dallas gets his, his carries that make the, that defensive line have to be honest about, um, about the run game. Then it's going to help them in the pass protection. It, it kind of reminds me of, uh, of that Kansas City defensive line. You know, when I was a rookie, they had Derek Thomas on one end, that Neil Smith uh, on, the, on the other end. They had some, some, some dogs in the middle that would like really good pass rushes. So every single dude had to be on their game. But the way you, the way you neutralize that is being able to run the football. Cause the thing that I've learned in my days as a player is that the dudes that like to rush the quarterback don't like tackling the running back. And so if you can make it noisy, make it a snot bubble kind of game, Hey, there it is. I got it in this week. Um, <laughs> uh, then, then you have a chance to kind of neutralize some of that pass rush. So I think that's going to be the important part uh, for this offensive line versus that defensive line. All right. Perfect note to end on because Ray, Ray Roberts takes us in the trenches every single week for the huddle. Uh, Ray, uh, I will be talking to you uh, next Thursday for the huddle, but uh, you're going to be talking with Bump before then for a pregame for this one. It is Seahawks Giants this Sunday uh, right here at Lumen. You can hear Ray on the pregame show. Thanks so much, Ray. Yeah, absolutely. Run the ball. <laughs> That's right. He is Ray Roberts. Uh, we are sticking with some voices of the Seahawks here, going to the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, for some keys to a win. He joins us next. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel and Rabes. The Seahawks have a big challenge in this one, trying to stop that Giants run game. What have they been doing so well? I mean, maybe the answer is just Saquon being phenomenal. But what do you see? Yeah, I think that, I think that's a large part of it. <laughs> uh, I think their their system, the the system that Brian Dable has brought in as head coach. Uh, has really worked. It's, it's minimized the mistakes that uh, Daniel Jones, the quarterback, is making, and it's maximizing uh, the, the positives, uh, the strong points of this, uh, of this giant team, one of which is Saquon Barkley. They're just finding ways to get him the ball. They've got a lot of motion. They move people around. Uh, but ultimately, and, they, and they're, they've done a decent job of blocking for him up front, but ultimately – you just watch him. Uh, I watched him last night against Jacksonville, and he'll come off the edge, and if he's not running over people, he's running around and past people. Um, I tell you, I can't tell you how much Ken Walker the third reminds me of Barkley, although Barkley's more compact, it looks like, and you know even thicker, tougher to bring down. But uh, he is he is a terrific running back. It's going to be, I think, the biggest test against the run that the Seahawks maybe will face all season. Hey, Reza, I look at the uh, the New York football giants, and uh, I see a team that has found a way to win tough games with not a lot of talent. There's talent out there. Obviously, this is the NFL. These guys can play. Um, and because of that, I look at Dable and just say, 
the culture change over there um, must play a huge part in them being able to, to claw and climb out of these games in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, exactly. And remember where he's come from. You know, he coached in, in, in Buffalo. Uh, he was with Kansas City for a while. So uh, he's learned from a couple of, uh, of really good winning franchises and under some pretty darn good head coaches. So he, he kind of gets it. And I, I know that he would have brought in a lot of his own thoughts and his own philosophies as a head coach. But uh, he's he's. You're right. He may not have all the greatest talent in the world. They can't build it up all at once, but they've got enough high round draft choices over the last few years because they've been a pretty dismal team over the last few seasons uh, that they have something to work with there in New York. And, you know, maybe most of all uh, bump is is the development of their belief system. They now believe in themselves. They're six and one. They believe they can go out and be just about anybody. And, you know, with one exception this season, they have. So, I think they believe they can come in here, do what they've done in the past, run the football, uh, try to slow down the Seahawks, and score just enough points to win. Rabes, how do you uh, look at this team now versus week one? Because you know, I talked to some Giant uh, guys today um, for, on their, their pregame show, and we taped something, and they like their team. I mean, I, they weren't cocky, but, I mean, they were they were confident, but – I don't see why the Seahawks can't beat the Giants, but um, yeah, it just uh, your your attitude about this team now that they're four and three, and it sounds sounds funny to to hear that they're number one in the NFC West when everybody's you know in a logjam, but still, it's uh, <laughs> don't look I, a gift horse in the mouth. Dave. Yeah, I know, and I and I feel, I feel like they they can beat any team in the NFL, especially this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dave. I, you know, the the first game was chalk that one up to yes. The guys played really well, but the emotion of playing against their for, former quarterback on Monday Night Football and beating the Broncos in a, in a tight game. Uh, and then the defense, you know, was kind of uh, absent uh, without a pass for a while until they made the changes they needed to make. And suddenly the last couple of weeks, um, take nothing away from what that game meant just a few days ago down in Los Angeles to beat the Chargers. That is a really good football team on their home turf. Uh, Herbert was is an excellent quarterback. He's got great targets. Their defense has a number of really good players. Yeah, they were missing both a big deal. Uh, everybody's missing big-name players. Uh-huh. But uh, the way this team, the Seahawks, have transitioned and have gotten better offensively, um, you'd love to still have Rashad Penny in that one-two punch, but Ken Walker the third being the primary back, he, uh, he has been absolutely no slouch. He has played great. Gino has played beyond expectations. You hope to get DK back sooner rather than later. I think that'll be the case. Uh, but you still have some great weapons to throw to, and Gino has been so accurate with his passing. If there is a big difference between these two teams, we both like to run the football. Uh, we've both given up some yards defensively. But Gino Smith is the better quarterback without question right now in his ability to find the open receivers to hit those open receivers, and even if they're not open, to make the throws in there, throw guys open, and throw into tight windows. Uh, He's done that much better than Daniel Jones has. Hey, Raves, um, I'm I'm wondering, Bumps pointed out before that um, the Seahawks have had rookies getting more snaps than any other team, and we know that they've drafted young guys and have sometimes not played them as early. Do you think there's a willingness to play young guys sooner, or do you think that that's just the way the cookie crumbled for this team? 
Well, I, I think a couple of things, Dave. I, I think Pete has always been one of those guys who is, is uh, you know, an exceptional coach when it comes to young guys. We've talked about it, how so many, you know, in, in college, he was rotating guys through there every couple of three years at USC. They'd come on, they'd play for a couple of years, then they'd leave early. And, and uh, so he had a lot of talent, but they were also young guys, and he coached them up into their system. Same thing with, with the guys this year. Uh, I heard Gino interviewed today in fact on nfl network you guys may have talked about this but he was asked about a comment that he made uh about pete's coaching ability and how much trust this is gino talking and i'm paraphrasing here how much (laughs) trust uh, pete has in the entire team to start all the rookies that he's starting and to get them coached up and to have them playing as well as they're playing. It shows a trust in the rest of the team as well as those young guys. So uh, I, I agree with Gino uh, and that uh, they, Pete and his assistant coaches have got these guys playing well. Now, I don't think Andy Dickerson has gotten nearly enough credit on the offensive line for getting those two young tackles ready to play in this system the way they want them to play. So, uh, yeah, this is a a real plus for this team, and they're playing well now. I don't – none of us want to look ahead, but just think about it for a second, where this team is going to be in a year or two as these guys continue to mature and play better. Uh, It it just is uh, is one of those things that has everybody kind of licking their chops. Hey, Raves, um, I look at – always look at a uh, a depth chart, and – the ones are always highlighted, but I always look at the two deeps, man, because eventually, especially at, at the uh, the skill positions, those th- number twos are going to get opportunities to play. And with Ken Walker being bumped up to the number one spot, I look at a guy like DJ Dallas and say, okay, your contributions are that much more important now. Um, do you see DJ Dallas getting, he got six carries last game. Do you see him hovering around six carries or, or what do you feel like his role is going to be in this game? Well, I think it's. I think it just depends on how the game flows. Um, you know, as you guys know, if if you get behind early, then maybe you can't run quite as much uh, as you want to, and and maybe guys don't get uh, as many opportunities as they might ordinarily. Um, and then again, if you get ahead big, you're going to just keep running the ball down their throat, and you're going to have to give Ken Walker a break, and you're going to get some of the other guys in there. And DJ Dallas uh, has has certainly proven that. He is. Uh, he can do pretty much anything. He can return kicks. He can cover kicks. Uh, he's good uh, in in pass pro. Remember, with Travis Homer being out, that job as the third down back basically went to DJ. He's a good receiver coming out of the backfield. Now Homer is hopefully going to be back in another week or two, as he's been eligible now for for practice after his injury. So all of a sudden, where you were maybe a little bit thin earlier, now you're three deep. Uh, and we haven't even talked about some of the other guys that they that they picked up, like Tony Jones Jr., uh, who came over here from New Orleans. Um, I, I think they're where the Seahawks, that is, are where they want to be with this group of running backs, and uh, led by led by Ken Walker. And then Gino, let's not forget about him. He's going to get his runs in there too. So uh, I, I feel pretty confident about about the ability and the two and three deep, as you were mentioning, bump at some of these positions. Marquise Goodwin, for instance. I mean, goodness gracious, he catches two touchdown passes a week ago. Huge plays that were in, in effect a, a lot of difference in that football game. So you you can't uh, you can't help but like the depth on this team. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. You can hear him on the call of the Seahawks-Giants game this weekend alongside Dave Wyman. Thanks so much, Rabes.
My pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right. Who are the Giants? We're stepping across enemy lines for an opponent preview next. Joining us now for the huddle is John Jastrzemski. He is host of the New York, New York podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. And John, I am, uh, count me among those surprised that the six and one Giants are taking on the first place in the NFC West Seattle Seahawks, a game in a matchup that I was not expecting to be saying seven weeks into the season. You ain't kidding. I mean, the idea that you got Daniel Jones and Geno Smith playing at such a high level. The idea that you have the Giants and the Seattle Seahawks as two winning teams and two teams that could legitimately think about being in the postseason right now. I mean, if you were to go through the odds, and I like to do this, I'm a, I'm a betting man, not going to lie. You were rattling off teams in the NFC. I don't think you would have had the Giants and the Seahawks with winning records at this point in the year. So wild indeed. No, not at all. Tell me about Daniel Jones. You know, we're here on the West Coast, so uh, I don't think too many people pay attention to what's going on in the East, probably vice versa as well. Describe Daniel Jones. What has allowed him to lead this team to where they are today? You know, he's been super, super tough. That's what I've noticed. And I think he's far more comfortable in the offense and in his own skin playing for Brian Dable. I can't stress this enough, guys. The difference in coaching that you've gotten from the Giants and Brian Dable coming over from the Buffalo Bills to what they had last year to what they had the year before, it's so eye-opening. You saw it in the first game of the year against the Tennessee Titans. The Giants have been a money team in the fourth quarter, and Daniel Jones specifically has been a money quarterback in the fourth quarter. That's, that's a testament to the coaching and what he's been able to do. Um, I, I'm stunned. Quite frankly, I really, really am surprised with what they've been able to do. Considering you look around the talent base offensively, outside of Saquon Barkley, there's, there's not much to be working with here. So they're finding ways to score. Jones is making plays. He's making plays with his legs. And it's been really fun to watch. You mentioned Brian Dable. What's he doing in particular? Is is he... Uh, uh you know, adapting is, is he adapting as the year goes on? Is it an approach? I mean, it sounds like a lot of this is him too. Well, I think he's making the best of what is on the roster and, and that's coaching in a nutshell where it's like, all right, you don't have the most talented roster in the world. Okay. you got to find a way to make it work. They don't have particularly talented wide receivers. I mean, you, you look at who they have playing wide receiver. I mean, they don't have, they don't have a DK Metcalf. They don't have a Tyree kill. They don't have a Devonte Adams. So it's been throwing to the tight end. It's been throwing the running backs. It's been finding a way creatively to score points, to execute in the red zone and to do enough to win. I mean, that's what coaching is all about. Uh, doing more with less. That to me is what Brian Dable has done. Cause listen, I, I think we can objectively say the giants don't have six and one talent. Do you guys look at the roster and say, that's a team that should be six and one, nine and nine a million nope. years. That's coaching. That's coaching in a nutshell. I'm looking at um, the schedule and uh, you guys have some close wins. Uh, if this team is with last year's coach, do you think they pull this off or do you again, tip your hat to the new head coach and say, he's finding ways to get these guys to execute in these tight moments. Oh, no chance. No chance to six and one. Um, and I'm taking it a step further. Their first game of the year, you remember they went for two at the end of the game against the Tennessee Titans. It was dramatic. Everybody was like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And, you know, they got a little, you know, fortunate luck on their side. But 
to me, that kind of set a tone that we're in it to win it. And I think the team's close game skill and the ability to rise to the occasion in these close games is a testament to the coaching. Yeah, I do not think they'd be a 6-1 team with Joe Judge leading the way. No chance. <laughs> Um, hey, we've got a, a guy we're following here who's had a career in New York with both New York teams, Geno Smith. Um, I got to be honest, uh, John, I did not see this version of Geno, though I didn't cover him and watch him as closely as you did. Did you? Uh, no, not in a million years. I, I thought Geno Smith's career was absolutely finished uh, when he left the New York Jets. I mean, first year in the league, he was pedestrian. I think that's being kind. Uh, by the time Geno Smith's second year happened, uh, I think a lot of people were ready to move on. Remember, he had the, the off-the-field nonsense, too, in which he lost his job. He's getting into a fight in the locker room. They go to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, and Geno never got his job back. Look, he's matured. I think Geno Smith has grown up. I think being around a lot of different offenses has definitely helped him. And uh, you look at Seattle. I mean, I, I look at it from an outsider's perspective. When they traded away Russell Wilson, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Are they going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL? To hell with that. Highway robbery, policing <laughs> is what Seattle was able to do to the Denver Broncos with the way, with the way Russ looks. He looks completely cooked. And Geno Smith has found something. Seattle is set up as far as draft picks are concerned. So, no, I did, I did not see this version of Geno Smith. But it just goes to show you sometimes with quarterbacks, it takes some time with certain guys. And it's not, it's not that every organization should wait seven or eight years for a quarterback to flourish and develop. But sometimes for a dude, it almost takes getting benched or getting dumped or going to a different team, like in order for it to click. Now, all of a sudden, it is click for Geno Smith. And I'm happy for him. He's playing really good football. I know my fantasy team's happy about it. I can tell you that much. <laughs> you picked up Geno? I needed to. I mean, my other quarterback was Tom Brady. Man. Wait, <laughs> in a world where a world. I dumped Tom Brady for Geno Smith. Just think about that for a minute. When did Just you pick up Geno? What week did you pick up Geno? A couple of weeks ago. I needed a quarterback. Wow. Great pickup. Great fun. Yeah, good, good fun. Good fun. You benched Tom. <laughs> uh, and I'll be benching him again this week. You kidding me? Of course I will. Hey, tell me about this defense. Uh, they are less than average against the run, average against the pass. But when it comes to giving up points, man, they're like number six or seven in the league. Tell me about the defense and uh, just some guys who have uh, helped us. Well, I'm going to stress the defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, who came over from the Baltimore Ravens. They are playing a very aggressive scheme, and they have been able to get some turnovers. They've been able to get some big stops in goal line situations. Uh, they got big turnovers against the Ravens a few weeks ago. They got the big goal line stand against the Green Bay Packers in London a couple weeks ago. The guy you got to watch out for, and he's really starting to come on over the last couple weeks, is Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau looks like the real deal. I love watching him play. He's an emotional, fiery player. Dexter Lawrence is another guy to watch. He's playing all of his career. And in the secondary, I thought the Giants were going to be exposed. They lost their best corner last year, James Bradbury. He got cut. Salary cap casualty. All you need to know is the Giants, they said goodbye to a guy like Bradbury because they had to. They had no choice. They had to get under the cap. They, I don't even think the Giants saw this year coming. Uh, and defensively speaking, they, they have been resilient. I, kinda, I know I sound like I'm beating a dead horse and I'm a broken record here, ladies and gentlemen, but like 
that's what the Giants season has been about. They have been tough. They have been resilient. They have been spunky. And I'll say this. If the game is close in the fourth quarter, you might be nervous because they've been they're used to this. They, they've been pulling these games out all year. Now, given that you're starting Geno Smith in fantasy, you must see some opportunities for the Seahawks offense. Well, I, I do. I mean, listen, I just, I, I don't want to start Tom Brady right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, at least I know Gino is going to be able to run around a little bit, and make some things happen. Uh, yeah. I, I actually like Seattle in the game, but full disclosure guys, I have picked against the giants the last three weeks. I didn't think they'd win in green uh, Bay. Couldn't have been more wrong. Baltimore game. They're five and a half home dogs. I was like, they're not going to win this game. They win late. And then last week, the point spread, I thought it was a sucker bet to take the five and one Giants against the two and four Jaguars. So something's got to give. I mean, <laughs> something's got to give, right? Either either I'm going to continue to be wrong in picking Giant games, or maybe you guys are going to have some vindication. Tough spot for them, though, going to the West Coast. Very, very tough spot. So you you picked against the Giants the last three weeks. Um, I think we are kind of in the same boat when it comes to our fan base. I think the guys over here are like, is this real? Is the Seattle team real? Can I believe in Geno? What's the feeling with the fan base over there? Is everyone completely bought in, or is it the same type of feel? You're still trying to uh, to believe in what you're seeing. Well, here's the difference between where the Seahawks have been and where the Giants have been. And I know the Giants are a proud franchise. They did two Super Bowl wins over the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. But really, for the last eight or nine years, the team has been atrocious. I mean, absolutely positively atrocious, which you're not used to saying. So I just think it's so refreshing that the team is 6-1, and one, that the, the fan base is kind of like just riding a wave. They're riding that high. I don't think the fan base thinks they're better than Philadelphia. I don't think the fan base thinks they're better than Dallas. But the NFC is a weak conference, guys. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with 6-1... and one, I think everybody around town is saying, all right, we're not going to win the division, but we should be a playoff team. I think that's where the fan base is at. They're into it. He is John Jastrzemski, host of the New York, New York podcast, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. John, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to getting out to Safeco Field next year. I'm still <laughs> bummed out about my Yankees. What a disgrace. Should your Mariners put up a better showing than my Yankees did against the Houston team? Sad. Very hey, sad. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll have to get back in touch with you when, these, uh, when the Yankees and Mariners face off next year. You know where to find me. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you again to John Jastrzemski for joining us. John Boyle joins us next on The Huddle as we wrap up our thoughts on Week 8. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Joining us now, just as he does to wrap up every single episode of the huddle, it's John Boyle, Seahawks.com reporter. And John, the Seahawks have a big challenge against a San Francisco, excuse me, no, not a San Francisco Giants. What am I doing? Hey, uh, <laughs> baseball season's <laughs> over for us. <laughs> huh, snap out of it. Uh, oh, a New York Giants team that sure likes to run the ball, averaging over 170 yards a game. Uh, who's got, you know, you know, the biggest task for the Seahawks defense this week I mean I I don't know if it's one person unless you want to just say maybe put on the coaching staff you're trying to pin it on one but it's it's everybody it's that whole front seven in particular of you know they've done a great job of improving their defense and their run defense as well especially last week they really didn't give up much of anything on the ground to the Chargers I I could have said San Diego there for you out of solidarity if thank you you're wrong but uh <laughs> you know but yeah it's I mean when it comes to a good running attack it's it's not one person at all it's that whole group but yeah they are gonna have their hands full that's a really tough running game and tough back boy how you doing man 
I'm doing great. How are you guys? Bump likes to say hi too. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I know she she drives the show, but I, you know, I, I, sometimes I don't feel right if I don't, you know, it's fair to say what's uh, up. Fair. Yeah, I'd like to say hello too. You know, for that matter, John, I'd like hey, to I say hi. Everyone saying hello, it's really helpful <laughs> for my self esteem. Hey, Boyle, um, I'm looking at the Giants' offense, and it's clearly a run first type of deal. Then you look at the Seahawks' defense. They hold Eckler to 53. I don't know if that's saying much or not. Then the week before, they hold the Cardinals to 144. How realistic is is it to believe in this defense and what they do, what they can do against the run, and expect them to contain Barkley and, and Danny Dimes? I mean, I think the improvement they've made is definitely real. It's not. I don't think it was some one week mirage kind of deal. I, that being said, I don't think you can just say, okay, they played well against the Chargers run game. They're going to be great and shut down this Giants attack. Um, I mean, you mentioned their quarterback as well as a big running threat. We've seen other running quarterbacks provide some trouble for the Seahawks, especially, um, you know, Kyle Murray had the 100 yards, the, the taste and Bill packages were tough to stop against New Orleans. So they do have to clean that element of their run game up, but I, I just feel like they're confident going in this game that they have fixed a lot of those issues that showed up earlier in the year. I don't think that means you, you can count and hold them to 50 rushing yards or anything like that, but, you, you know, you got to stop the big explosives from happening and make them work hard for those drives and, and you know, hopefully – put the ball, you know, make them put the ball in the air some and get some of those passing situations. Hey, John, um, have you heard anything? I can't get a specific answer, and I think that's because, of course, they don't, you know, want to tell us their their business. But as far as the defense goes, if you, you know, and I've been saying this week that to me it looks like they know where their gaps are before the ball snaps. Um, That's probably very simplistic, but have you heard any answer uh, when asking about what has been the difference these last two weeks, especially in the run game and holding the the Chargers to 53 yards on the ground, what have you heard? You know, when we talk about when we talk about the front in particular, the thing we keep hearing from the linemen and the, those outside linebackers is, you know, they're just being freed up to be a little more aggressive. Quentin Jefferson talked about that today. Um, you know less reading and reacting and more kind of attacking and penetrating. And as he pointed out, you got to do that right. If you're going to be doing it, cause it can look really bad if you screw up. And that's where sort of a earning the trust of the coaching staff of, okay, if you're going to play like this, you got to do it right. Cause if you don't, it's going to make us look even worse. So um, I think that's kind of the biggest change, at least that they've talked about, but to your point, they don't want to give away every schematic change, change they make that's working. So the coaches are being intentionally vague about it, but yeah, I think that's the biggest, you know, when you talk about schematic differences, how the front guys are attacking. Are you personally expecting to see uh, DK Metcalf out on the field this weekend? You know, I don't know. Let's wait and see till Friday till we see if he's practiced. I, yeah. you know, it, it seems like a big ask for guy. I know the injury is not serious, thankfully no surgery, but it was enough of an injury that they, they ruled him out pretty much the minute it happened. He didn't practice Wednesday. Um, you know, Pete Carroll's such an optimistic guy. He's never going to, you know, if there's any chance, he's not going to say it can't happen. So they'll, they'll probably take it up at least till Friday and maybe till game day. You know, I, I would think obviously you would err on the side of caution. If there's any doubt, you don't want to risk a longer term thing to keep them out longer. So yeah, you know, if, if someone's looking for fantasy advice, I'm not going to begin to tell you what to do, but uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I would maybe lean towards no, but who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens these next couple of days. I think we'll have a lot better feel by Friday afternoon. Hey, Boyle, um, obviously we're – I'm anticipating DK not playing. And I, I honestly, I hope he doesn't play just so he rests up and makes sure he's good to go. So with that being said, when you look at this offense, do you think Shane Waldron does anything dramatically different or do 
you see him discontinuing to run the offense. You just don't have 14 out there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more continuing to do what they're doing. That's, I mean, they went almost, you know, they went in the bulk of that game without Metcalf last week and it didn't look like they changed a lot up. I mean, you're counting on Marquis Goodwin to do more. You're counting on D Eskers to do more. And uh, I think also, you know, when people talk about who steps up and the production wise, I think you look at the tight ends as well. I mean, those guys have all been great. They've been doing a lot of this three tight end stuff. That's, yeah. you know, makes them really versatile and hard to defend. So I think it's kind of a collective effort to step up there, but I don't think you drastically, I, I guess maybe if I'm talking like one schematic change, maybe you do more of the multi tight end stuff than you would have. But otherwise I think they're going to count on that receiver depth to just kind of step up and take the reps. DK would have played. Yeah, that's that's what I think, too, John. And I think, you know, the, the whole thing is about Gino. I mean, he's just been spreading the ball around. But I want to ask specifically because now Coley Parkinson, he had a couple of blocks where somebody's already engaged with him and then he comes and hits him and knocks him down. And linebackers love that, right? Yeah, <laughs> because, you know, when he hits the the guy who's engaged, he probably weighs like 100 pounds. But I'm not taking anything away from what Kobe. What I like about it is that he's being nasty. He's he's knocking people to the ground. But how much muscle has that guy put? I mean, he has transformed himself physically. He came in here the other day and just darkened the doorway, man. He's he's huge. And it yeah. just looks like he worked really hard. Do you, did you talk about him about, uh, with him about that? Because I don't think I've asked him about it. His it offense. came up in you know the coming like, training camp time going into the season, and I think he mentioned a number, and I, I would be lying if I could tell you to remember. But it was a it's a significant amount he bulked up. I mean, the foot injuries he's had the first couple of years have been really unfortunate, but kind of what he points to is the one upshot of that is you know when he couldn't be on his feet running around he was hitting the weights and bulking up a little bit especially that upper body but yeah i mean his transformation has been pretty impressive he came in here looking like a kind of almost oversized receiver a guy you'd split out red zone yeah. threat and, you know they still want him to be all that but he's a much more well-rounded tight end than the player they drafted and he's a guy that you know has been had some impressive blocks I and mean, he's they do a lot of that motion stuff with him and he can get, get out in space and pick up guys on the second level and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's, it's, it's been good for him and good for the team to see him healthy and doing all this after a couple of tough years. All right. Thanks so much, uh, John Boyle. Make sure you're checking out John's work at Seahawks.com. And uh, let's hope we get some good updates here on DK. But listen to John TBD. Wait until at least Friday for that one. Thanks so much, Boyle. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right, you guys, this has been the huddle for Dave Wyman for Michael Bumpus. I'm Stacey Ross. Don't forget the huddle is every single Thursday from noon to two.